Right, well hello there everyone. Um, here I am and um, just thought I would um, chat to you all a little bit about um, an article I wrote a couple of days ago now. Um, I had actually been holding on to it for a while. Um, it was one of those things that, um, how can I put it? Um, well I got a bit, I got a bit sort of um, Provoked, I suppose. There's no other word for it. It was a bit of a rant. A bit of a rant. But it was a rant that I allowed to brew for a little while. Sometimes it's really good just to sort of type away furiously and say what's on your heart. But then come back to it and just think to yourself, well, hang on, have I been balanced? And maybe I haven't been completely balanced. And uh, first up, I should make one apology. Um, <clears throat> in the rant, um, I did seem to sort of take focus pretty much exclusively on American Christians. And I know I've got many American Christian readers. Um, and I just want to make a couple of things clear. Hi, Ruth. Thanks for joining. Um, and, and one of which is that I do know that not every American Christian thinks the way that um, some people do. Um, and the point was, I had just seen it in my feed, um, here on Facebook mostly, um, many comments coming up that were sort of provoking me upsetting me and making me feel that actually the cause of Christ was being damaged by people proclaiming things that were just not true and um, casting doubt on the experts, casting doubt on the science, talking about conspiracy theories around Covid, around vaccination, anti-vax people saying that they really think that there's going to be a chip inserted with any Covid-19 vaccine and that's going to be the mark of the beast when Revelation says that the mark of the beast is something visible that you'll see. And anyway, the idea that sort of 200 different sorts of vaccines that are being explored at the moment would all somehow be in on this conspiracy seems a bit daft. I've even seen some people say that, um, still saying that COVID is sort of made up somehow, that this whole global pandemic has been somehow made up and exaggerated um, with the goal of making sure that Donald Trump is no longer on our TV screens, although I suspect he'll find other ways of being on our TV screens, even if he doesn't win the election. Uh, and that somehow Europeans like me, or well, I'm not, am I European still? We're about to leave the EU, live in the UK, I don't know. But people from outside of the US were somehow part of this conspiracy, that all our governments, you know, were somehow, you know, making it all up or exaggerating it. Um, and um, I think, you know, it's rather sad because when people are saying peace, peace, there is no problem, and yet we're in the middle of actually probably the single biggest medical, social and economic challenge that has happened in my lifetime, that's happened since World War II, um, and possibly is going to end up being more damaging and more harmful to our societies um, globally uh, than even the 1930s recession was. So this is this is big stuff. And... Um, it's not just about the headline figures. It's not just about the people who are dying. It's true that you could argue that maybe at some stages, you know, people have uh, shut down too much even. I don't know. Uh, or too early. Who knows? Or not open things too quickly enough afterwards. I, I mean, you know, it's it's very difficult to know what the right thing is. But what we do know is that there is a problem and it's a huge problem. And unfortunately, it is not going away. And um, in parts of the US, the numbers are going up and the deaths are going up. And one of the things I say in the article 
is yes, we can argue about how real the number of cases are um, and you know how it's being how it's all being calculated, if you like. The data is not clear at times. There's no question about that. Um, and so, you know, we do have we do have a recognition of problems in the data and decisions that are being made that it's difficult to know what's right and what's wrong sometimes. And so I don't think there's a problem with that. But my problem is really around people who are so sort of blinkered and say things like churches must be allowed to meet, even though we know that churches can be a huge way in which this is spread. Hundreds of people could potentially catch COVID if just one person came to your church service with it. Um, and that's the truth. It's much harder to catch this disease outside than most people seem to think it is. Uh, but it's also much easier to catch it inside than many people seem to think. So we have to be okay about this. We have to be sensible about it. We have to be wise about it. Um, but I've seen too much spreading of lies. So things like the malaria drug, which, you know, I'm a great believer in clinical research. And people sometimes say, well, what do you know about clinical research, Adrian? Um, well, the truth is that I, I actually did go to medical school. And obviously, I learned about things there. I worked in the NHS for about eight years. And then I spent 15 years working in the pharmaceutical industry, where I was helping to run, plan, um, study and make sure they were done properly and interpret the results of, communicate the results of, explain the results of all these clinical trials. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a professor, um, but I worked with the professors um, on these clinical trials and not in, I should say, infectious diseases, but some of the principles um, carry through. And one of the principles, which is really important, and I've seen a lot of people, and it is mostly Americans, not only Americans, someone's pointed out that they've seen some Brits um, talking about some of these things too. I, I just guess I just haven't seen them in my field, in my in my feed, so sorry about that. Um, and uh, like I say, not all Americans uh, clearly uh, are in my targets. Because one of the great things has been the response. I'm so grateful to so many people. Um, and thanks, Scott, um, for the nice comment. Now, so grateful for so many people who've been so positive about all this. I, I was kind of bracing myself for the deluge. And it turns out that there's almost a sort of maybe even a silent majority of, of people who who just haven't really wanted to challenge some of the things that were being said on their their own Facebook feeds, um, but actually have said things like, you know what, I've not really wanted to say anything, but this guy Adrian has expressed what I feel, or mostly what I feel. I mean, you don't have to agree with everything in the article, um, because of course some of it is controversial. But basically the point is, as Christians, we are meant to love the truth. We are meant to pursue the truth. And Christianity... Um, really shouldn't be anti-science. There should be a, a desire within the Christian to study the world around us and to get involved in God's work of healing. And, and it's wonderful that doctors are learning things. So, so the Oxford scientists have done a clinical trial that shows the malaria drug doesn't work in people who are in hospital. And it's with ten, tens of thousands of people. I think 11,000 people were, were enrolled in that study. And it's proven that that doesn't work. It's proven that um, an AIDS drug doesn't work. But it's also proven that, a dex that dexamethasone, an old prednisolone drug, that in the right group of patients can actually drop deaths by a third. So instead of like getting all excited about the malaria tablets, and I've seen people saying things like, we don't need masks because we've got malaria tablets. There's no evidence for that. I've seen people saying things like, you know, um, 
If we all just took the malaria tablets, this would be evaporated. And there's no evidence for that. There are three trials at least that show that this drug doesn't work. So I don't want to get on and on about the malaria tablet, but my view is you should only be taking the malaria tablet in a clinical trial because sometimes we can run a clinical trial that sort of comes up with a different set of results to one that's done before. But unless any of these trials have been done wrong, and I'm very confident in the hospitalised patients one, I think that's been done very well by the UK. Um, and so I think that is quite clear. What, what there might be some debate about is whether it might work at an earlier stage. But honestly, I think it's unlikely. Um, and so personally, I think that if you're going to run a clinical trial, fine, but you need to let the patients know that there's already evidence that suggests the drug doesn't work. And actually, we'd be better off getting more excited about the fact that we have a drug, dexamethasone, that works in the sicker patients. It's not something you should necessarily take as an outpatient. Um, it is something that once your lungs start to dysfunction, seems to save lives. That's what the, the study says. So let's stick to the facts. That's all I'm asking for. Let's stick to the facts. And as I say, I was a bit braced for a sort of huge negative reaction. I really thought I was going to be in trouble. I thought, oh, here we go. You know, I thought maybe some people might unfollow me. Um, and actually, you know, I, I really did use Facebook wrong. If you're a Facebook friend of mine, you should probably unfriend me and go follow me on my page unless I actually know you. Um, trying to get people to do that is, is not going to be very easy. But um, but but the point is this, I, don't, I, I, I didn't want to offend people, but I just felt I'd seen one too many comment that quite frankly brings the cause of Christ into shame. And I would include, I'm afraid, John MacArthur in that. I know I've taken aim at John MacArthur before, um, but I can't see the logic in celebrating um, a man who is ignoring what the doctors and the scientists and the politicians are saying, and not only sort of saying, right, we must meet, but they were celebrating the fact that we're not wearing masks, we're not social distancing, and we're going to sing, and we're all here together. And I'm thinking, I mean, look, if someone comes into that room and they have COVID symptoms, or they're asymptomatic and they're carrying it in their nose and their throat, you are putting every single member of that church at risk. Here in the UK, our numbers are quite low at the moment, and some churches are looking at opening up, and many churches are being sensible and going, you know what, legally I'm sort of allowed to open up, but I'm a big church maybe, or my building is not very well ventilated, or I've got a lot of old people, I'm not sure I'm going to do it yet. I'm going to wait and see what happens in September, see if we, are we going to get this second spike or not. And that's in the UK, where less than one in 2,000 people actually have COVID right now, and that's that's based on random screening of large numbers of people. So we're talking asymptomatic people as well, not just symptomatic cases. And I think it's on average about 10 people a day are dying across the whole of the UK. And the hospitals are largely empty of COVID people at the moment. So I'm obviously very vulnerable to COVID. And it's been said that if I got a case of COVID uh, with my blood cancer and it was, you know, actual symptomatic case, and I reported it, and other people have done that to their doctors. Unfortunately, about 30 to 40% of those people with blood cancer who get COVID die. So if anyone's going to be worried about it, it's me. And, you know, I'm so worried about it. I've moved out of my family home. I've been staying with my mum and dad. But I'm now starting to think, is it time for me to move back? Because the rate in the UK is going down. But as I explain in the article, that's not true in, in many parts of the US. It's going up. Um, and even ITU beds have been filling up in some places and death rates have been going up. And, and if you want to know, by the way, um, the best statistic, uh, in my opinion, to know what's happening in your area. And unfortunately, 
it, there's a bit of a time lag here because the deaths often follow the cases. And we can have a situation where if we're testing more people, we're identifying maybe some who are mild or some who are asymptomatic. So the cases might go up or, or it might be mostly young people getting it and they might be doing well. Um, but the critical thing is those young people, all they need to do is perhaps visit somebody who then goes into a nursing home and suddenly there's an outbreak in a nursing home and that can be a disaster. Um, or suddenly there's an outbreak in a hospital. Or maybe, you know, um, you give it to somebody like me who, who doesn't have an immune system and then, then they're in problems. So, so what tends to happen is there's a bit of a delay. So you might have a peak in cases um, and then you might not have a peak in deaths to a minimum of maybe three or four weeks later because people don't tend to die of this illness straight away. Um, some do, but not many. Uh, and also, of course, because it's not just about that initial wave. Because like, let's say you had an outbreak in a pub or a bar and it was like two or three hundred people there, but they were all young, you know, because old crocs like me don't go to the pub. Um, and they were all young. But or, what you're interested there, maybe those people would all be fine. But it's like, do any of those people live with their parents still? The boomerang generation. Here I am, 49, living with my mum and dad. So what can I talk about? The boomerang generation. Um, and what happens then if it spreads? So that might even be like two months down the line. So, you know, we need to watch these low outbreaks um, and see what's happening. But obviously, if you're vulnerable like me, then you're going to be very cautious. And what, what does that mean, be, be, being very cautious? One thing is avoiding being indoors with people. So for me, going to church is, is, is just not an, not an option right now because you're talking large numbers of people and poor ventilation. That's really important. So outdoors, wind blowing, you can probably get away with even large gatherings. I know they're cautious about that and they haven't implemented that, but they probably will uh, over time. Um, you know, I don't feel particularly nervous sitting in my garden with family members, keeping six feet apart. If I am nervous, I may, might wear a mask. I don't tend to, but if I'm out walking in the forest and it's a bit busy, then I do sometimes wear a mask, if nothing else, because it's a sign to people to keep away from me. But I've had to learn as well that people won't necessarily move out of my way. <laughs> and when I first started walking, I'd get annoyed because like, I don't know, there'd be a dog walker and they'd just stop in the path and start throwing their ball. And I'm like, can you just move, please? I'd like to be able to walk past you and you're right in the middle of the path. Now I just see them in a far and I kind of think, right, I'll go into the forest and, and walk around or something. I don't get annoyed anymore. I wear my mask if I feel like I might need to. Um, and there are certain situations. I mean, I've been in hospital. I didn't catch it when I was in hospital. I had three nights in hospital. Uh, we, I was wearing a mask. The nurses were wearing masks. Uh, if I go in a car, my, my son took me to hospital that day. Um, I tend to sit in the back on the passenger side away from the driver. So in the UK, that means my left. In the US, that would mean your right. So that diagonally, I'm as far away from the driver as possible. And then we both have our windows open and we both wear our masks. Um, things like that. Um, and you can be careful about what sorts of masks. I think if you can get hold of a, a proper mask, that's the most protective. Of course, the valved masks will not hold in the germs if you're the one having it. And that's the thing, you see, we want to try and protect other people by wearing masks. Why is it suddenly a bad thing to protect other people in some people's minds, you know? Some people are going on about, oh, I shouldn't have to wear a mask, I'm okay. I feel like sort of writing on their walls and saying, excuse me, it's not just all old people who you think are at the end of their lives. And anyway, aren't they valuable too? It's people like me, 49. Hopefully I've got another 40 years or more ahead of me. I might have a blood cancer, uh, but that's you know well controlled at the moment. And 
Although the doctors have told me it will probably come back at some stage, they've also told me that there are lots of other drugs they can use to control it when it does. So I could live for 40 years, but I don't have a very good immune system. So you wearing a mask um, might save my life. So why not wear a mask? What's the problem with wearing a mask? Why are we suddenly so selfish? I, I just don't understand it. It's, it's so illogical to me that people should be inconsiderate like that. And, you know, I'm trying not to get angry about it. Um, and obviously, you know, for me, I'm not going in a shop anytime soon. I did go into a, a, a baker the other day with the door open because you know how the way they often don't even have a door and there was no one else in the shop. But I was a bit like, mm, not so sure about this. Did it once. You know, again, the risk is really low where I am. It might not be low where you are. Um, but you know what? I thought to myself, yeah, I've done it once. I don't think I'm going to do this regularly. You know, internet orders for food. Keep me safe. Going out walking, as I said, do that meeting up with friends in gardens or something. I'm going to try and do a bit more of that. So actually, yeah, if you're in, in the London area and you've got any spare, spare time at the moment and you fancy inviting me to come to your garden, I'd love to come and meet up with some of my old friends. Um, and because um, it's, you know, it can get a bit lonely. Oh, a bit lonely. Oh, but, but you know, Zoom is here. Um, and, um, you know, this is going to go eventually. We're going to have a vaccine soon, hopefully. I think that looks good and it looks promising. Ironically, because the infection rate is so low over here, um, the vaccines, you know, are going to find it harder to prove that they work. But you Americans, maybe I should encourage you to keep spreading it because there's a there's a vaccine study over in America right now. Um, and so the more of you that are catching it, the better, because then if the vaccine doesn't, you know, if the vaccine stops you getting it, we'll be able to see. Do you see what I mean? Because if you do a a trial, and this is the thing, let me just explain, by the way, for tri why trials are so important rather than just anecdote. So let's say, for example, I, you come to see your doctor and you say, I've got a fever. And the doctor does a swab and he says, oh, you've got COVID. And he gives you some tablets. He might say to you, take these tablets and you'll be better in a week. If you don't take them, you'll be better in seven days. Does that make sense? You won't know. Oh, with the vaccine... Um, with, with the vaccine, the, um, you give them a vaccine or you give them a control and you do a random thing. So same with the drug. So it's like flipping a coin. So you come into the doctors, you have 10 people and each 10 consecutive people, you flip the coin if you like. And so heads, they get the drug, tails, they don't. Heads, they get the vaccine, tails, they actually were getting another vaccine. So they might have the side effects of having had a vaccine, but they were going to be protected against meningitis or something, not against, uh, coronavirus and so they might have had the sore arm and they might think oh I've had the vaccine but they don't know whether it works or not and so then you watch and then you see what happens and you count how many people get worse how many people get better uh, in the case of the vaccine how many people get the infection and how bad the infection is because the vaccine might not prevent the infection it might just turn it from pneumonia into a cold I mean if we could all have a vaccine and it meant nobody got pneumonia from COVID virus COVID but we all got colds even people like me with a poor immune system well, then that vaccine will be worth having. So you have to study it. You have to understand it. You have to know the data. And I talk about that more in my whole series of articles I've written on, on Corona Hope, I've called it, where I'm trying to explain the science in simple terms for everyone to understand, uh, but also um, hopefully have some hope behind it. Because it's very easy to get a bit depressed at the moment, isn't it? Let's be honest, especially when you watch the news. I've stopped watching the news mostly. I'll go and read some stuff sometimes. But I find the news can be a little, little bit depressing. Um, so that's why studies are really important and we need to have facts, not fiction. We need to uh, be Christians who are 
who are honourable, who are promoting truth, who are promoting caring for others. I mean, it's a bit like the Samaritan, you know, the Samaritan, good Samaritan story. You know, there he was lying at the side of the road in need of help. And some people were too holy. They wanted to go to church. I'm going to go to church. Why should I stop going to church just so I can help this person? Well, maybe you need to stop going to church so you can help people. Because it's the poor. In America, it's mainly the back people. It's, you know, Indians. In India and, and Africa and places like that, it's starting to spread in some of these poorer countries. And uh, they need our help too. And um, by simple things, you know, I mean, it's awful, isn't it? We think about it. We were talking about this in the UK back in March, April, May, when we were really on severe lockdown, not just people like me, but the whole country. And uh, there was people complaining about it a little bit. And it's like, come on, you know, my grandparents' generation now, not my parents, my grandparents' generation were in the war. You know, they had bombs falling on them. Some of them were evacuated to the, to, to the countryside. Some of them had to go to war and fight and do all these huge sacrifices for the good of, of society and the country. We're, we were just being asked to sit home and watch Netflix or not go to church. Or even if we are going out and about our business, wearing a mask. Because, you know, wearing a mask might help some people not catch it even if it reduces it by 30% or 40%. I mean, the sad thing is, of course, if people don't wear masks, if people aren't sensible, if people won't social distance, if people won't follow the rules, um, then sometimes we're going to see much bigger outbreaks and we're going to see worse restrictions coming in and a second lockdown and all the economic damage that happens and all the health damage as well. Let's not forget, unfortunately, with the hospitals, when they were so full of of COVID that they couldn't treat people for their cancers. There are tens of thousands of people who are missing cancer diagnoses because they didn't have their screening done. So right now it's, it's desperately urgent that we keep the lid on this COVID. We might not be able to get rid of it completely in some countries, apart from I think New Zealand is about the only one that's managed. But if we can keep the rate low enough that we can at least do some of our daily business um, and we can be sensible and our governments need wisdom and we need to pray for them to have wisdom. Uh, and we need to have wisdom and maybe we should do some extra things. I mean, if the government, you know, what, what happened when Jesus said, you know, if you go, go one mile and, and then someone says to you, go one mile, why not go two? You know, so if someone says to you, well, you know, you can open your church, but you think your own risk assessment is it's not safe, then why would you say, right, we're going to open it anyway and we don't care about the consequences? No, you would say, actually, we're going to make a wise decision here um, and we're going to do this the right way. And, you know. I mean, in World War Two, they shut the churches in the evening so that the bombers couldn't see, so that the Nazi bombers couldn't see the lights to bomb the way, you know? So it's like nobody complained about that. In 1918, they shut the churches and social distancing happened. Now, yes, of course, you know, these decisions are balanced and we do have to balance the social costs and the economic costs. And we all have to do that as an individual. You know, I know people with blood cancers who are going back to work even. Uh, in, and taking certain precautions to try and make sure that the risk is lower, especially here in the UK, where at the moment the rate is so low. Um, each of us have to weigh up risk for ourselves, and it is difficult to do that. And that's the other side of all this. And I didn't really talk about this much in the in the article, although I think I've got one more article in me on COVID, and then I might stop talking about it. Long series, as you'll see. Um, and that's really, yeah, how to be hopeful, how to assess risk, um, and how to sort of make our own risk assessment. So, you know, I'll be happy to meet people outside, but I'm less happy to meet people inside, for example. Um, I've even eaten at outdoor restaurants, but generally, unless I find one that's particularly well ventilated and maybe as a one-off, I'm not very keen on going indoors, although I have done that, as I say, in one, one, once or twice a uh, situation where 
you know, I, there was very good ventilation, you see, that's very important. And I was wearing a mask until the food arrived and there weren't many people around, most of whom I knew and I knew they were well. So I kind of took the risk, but I wouldn't do it every day because it's almost like you've got a certain amount of risk you can take before you start to think it's silly. I mean, if one in 2,000 people have got COVID, then I don't want to be meeting 2,000 people, do I really? Even wearing a mask, you know? Um, but maybe I can meet five and think, yeah, I should be all right, especially if I'm wearing a mask, you know? And, and, and if I can take other precautions that are sensible. So anyway, I've sort of waffled on more than I planned to. Um, I'm going to disappear in a minute. I don't know if anyone who's watching has got a specific question Probably not. Um, I've tried to cover some of them. Oh, a couple of things that someone um, said. I'm not, by the way, saying that only Christians can be good scientists. I'm just saying that being a good scientist shouldn't be inconsistent with being a Christian. You know, I mean, we're supposed to love truth. So if we believe in God's world, made the world, then why would we not want to to actually find out about the world and know about it and do science? I mean, that's a good thing. And we should be promoting good science and good medicine and promoting the work of healing. I mean, healing is a work of God, really. So that was really what I was driving at. Sorry if I offended anyone, didn't want to. Like I say, it's not all Americans. Oh, one last thing to say. So encouraged to find out after I'd written this article. You know, you sometimes think you have a little bit of an Elijah syndrome almost. And you sort of think, am I going to be the only one? Or are all my American friends going to hate me now? I actually discovered that there's this thing called BioLogos. And whatever you think about BioLogos in general, some people love them, some people don't. I don't know. But they've come out with what I think is a fantastic statement on this issue about how Christians at this time need to embrace science. And what's cool about Biologus is it's actually run by the guy who runs the NIH. So the guy you see on the American news a lot, um, Forsey or whatever his name is, his boss is actually a Christian and his boss runs this Biologus thing. And as Biologus, they've come out with a statement for Christians to sign up and say, yes, we believe that at this time, whilst it's very difficult to get the balance right with the economics and all that, we get all of that, but we believe that we need to be science focused, we need to be fact focused, we need to be careful not to spread things that are untrue, but just because we haven't been bothered to check and we haven't been bothered to do our research. So if you want to do some research about COVID, I've done a lot, you can go away and read it all, not just the ranty argument article, but also the list at the bottom of that article where I've got a lot of articles you can read about, not necessarily all of them, but there might be certain individual issues that you're interested in, like does the vaccine work and what does that mean or you know things like that so anyway I'm going to go now um sorry if it's a bit long for a one-off rant I hope I haven't sounded too ranty today I'm actually quite encouraged because the response from you guys has been wonderful turns out lots of people are with me which is great I didn't really think it'd be any different but I wasn't sure how many people would be willing to say it because it can be get quite ranty on some of the Facebook things. There's some quite angry people on Facebook on the other side of this issue who say they're Christians and say that as Christians, we should be opposing all sorts of things. So uh, here we go. And um, that's it for now. And um, I hope you enjoy reading the article. Um, it's probably less disorganised than my little comments here. Um, but as you can see, I'm doing reasonably well at the moment. I have some issues health-wise. But I won't bore you with all of that, but um, I'm, I'm feeling a bit stronger. Um, I'm on some medicine that's giving me a bit more energy. I'm able to do a bit of writing, which is fun. And I've got another rant coming soon, but I better let this one die down before I stir you up about the next one. But I'll give you a heads up now. It's on race, okay? Racism. So get ready, brace yourselves. Warney's back. Well, you've made it to the end of an episode of Adrian Warnock's Christian Podcast. You must have some stamina. Well done. 
And if you liked what you heard, you know what to do. Subscribe, review, tell all your friends about it. And in the meantime, why not visit adrianwarnock.com.